You're listening to Work Tape, episode 17. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast. I am Isaac Grover, your host, and with me again is Anthony. So uh, this is episode 17. How are you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Just chilling. Yeah? How's work been? Uh, it's been all right. Not too bad. It's a little a little hectic, but getting through it. Yeah? Yeah. I'm pretty good. Solid, solid. I mean, uh, you do music, but what do you also do? Well, I'm a pharmacy technician. I work at a pharmacy, uh, fill prescriptions. Right now, we're, we've been doing a lot of COVID shots. Like people come in, they get their COVID shots. So like everybody in the grandma's coming in and getting the shots now. Now that's been out for a while, you know, a lot more people have been getting it. But yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why it's been really busy. This might be a ridiculous question, like most of my questions, but I'm asking these ridiculous questions honestly. I don't, know. I don't um, think there's ever a ridiculous question. <laughs> there's just questions. <laughs> Do you have glasses on? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. it looks like it doesn't have any uh, augmentation, huh? This one. This one doesn't. But look, I actually have two different um, augmentations. My left eye is worse than my right eye. Oh, that's not cool. But I was going to say that's cool. Uh, I'm used to it. <laughs> Your condition is not cool. Well, you're so cool. Mm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. But I was going to ask you, uh, do you need a degree for what you're doing? Like, I mean, you can go to a trade school. But I don't recommend you do that now because I paid $12,000 just to get my license. And with the company wow. that, that I work with. So you need a license. You need some sort of certification. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, you need a license. But with the company that I work for, you could get hired off the street. You go to school for about like three homeless? to six months. <laughs> you could totally yeah. just... Yeah, that's I pretty mean, that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like yeah, envisioning as as, that. As long as you do the work. It's like, like, hey, dude, you want a job? What? Yeah, get on in you here. You want a job? Right? <laughs> Manager just goes right outside. Yeah, the here's door. a sandwich. Hey, get want, dressed. Here, here's a towel. Here's some clothes. Work get, back here in the pharmacy. Shower, there's a shower in the back. Get cleaned up. We'll, we'll hire you right on the spot. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it works. <laughs> but you do need a certificate. <laughs> That's tight, dude. I'm but on- yeah, you, you could get hired off the street and, and you could skip those 12000 I think you just pay like $200 or 250 and you go through like a three-month to six-month program, just depending on how fast you are, like on, on doing the course. And um, you get uh, you get certified that way. Solid. And you did that certification. Like you you went through it and now you're doing it. Yeah. You said it cost twelve grand. Yeah, 12 Gs. I think this was like 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Is it, it potentially worth it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Just being honest, <laughs> no. Oh um, my goodness. I, or I, I recommend to going to a community college, doing a two-year program there. Right. And at the same time, you get college credit. So it kind of, if you want to continue on your education, you already have credit for the specific classes that you took to get certified as a pharmacy technician. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you did that. I think it's cool. I mean, <laughs> if it's you're not right. glad, it is what it is. But I'm, I'm glad I'm trying that, to get out of it. Like I'm not, I'm not planning on staying there. Like I'm glad that you had the opportunity to learn. Oh yeah. So that sounds cool. Now speaking of learning, last episode we were talking about how, or I was talking about how I thought music kind of came out, you know, and how it was produced. <laughs> yeah. But then you told me off air of your way that you thought it. So how old were you, and what did that process go like in your head? Let's see. That's probably like when I first discovered music, like fifth grade. I really got into Backstreet Boys. <laughs> okay, solid. They're, they're like the very first, and I still like them. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the Millennium album, like it's a classic. Like, show me the meaning of being 
lonely. Nice. <laughs> like, I at least go back to it once a year. They have some style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very catchy. It's very, like, I think it's like I think straight, they match what we're pump. talking about, about how some things just don't seem like they'll work on paper, but they just work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back, Backstreet. Okay. That looks like it's going to work on paper. And ironically, it did work on paper. <laughs> but I don't like it. Not mm-hmm. not really that much. but It's hey, not it, for everybody. It's and, not for me. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it because I had a buddy. He was into Radio Disney. And like I would carpool with him. And like we would always listen to Radio Disney. And yeah, I got I got hooked on it. It's not my type of music. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The only thing I really took from that is Backstreet Boys. Like he would listen to NSYNC. He would listen to Britney Spears. Got it. Uh, Aaron Carter. Uh, Bow Wow. NSYNC. Yeah, NSYNC. What? Oh, you just but, keep coming up with these good... Okay, we're going to have to talk about that too. Because I totally... <laughs> I swear, Bow Wow's like a fever dream. Like, I can't believe that even happened. <laughs> he was the biggest thing in 2002. Oh, yeah. He was The huge. biggest thing. Yeah. Nick and Cannon. And he just kind of like fell off, huh? Nick Cannon was relevant. Keenan and Kel had just gotten off the griddle. You know, like, they were cooling down because they had their time in the late 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Nick, Nickelodeon. Proud fam. Man, dude, I can't, I can't believe it. But like, shortly after I discovered Backstreet Boys, it was fifth grade. Yeah. I think in sixth grade, that's when I... Like, I grew up as a metalhead. Like, really? sixth, sixth grade, I discovered... Um, first, I discovered The Police. And then okay, after The Police... Okay, that's a great band to start off. After yeah. The Police, I discovered Iron Maiden. And Iron Maiden just changed everything for me. Like, I fell in love with, like, rock music, metal. Thrash. Thrash. I didn't really get into Thrash that much. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I didn't... Um, it wasn't presented to me by, like, friends. Like, the group I was around... They're mostly into like Metallica, System of a Down. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you like Megadeth? Um, more I, Metallica, I, more Metallica. Yeah, more Metallica. And Iron Maiden, I did right? like some Megadeth, like the Megadeth singles. Motorhead. Uh, well, Motorhead was cool. Yeah, I like Motorhead. All right. But yeah, and like back when I was in fifth grade, when I discovered Backstreet Boys, I'm like, how are they recording the music? You know, the way I thought they recorded the music was by like. <laughs> Phone recorders, like you know, when you call, at least back then, there was these phone recorders that used a uh, tape. You would leave a message, it would record on the tape, and it'd be saved on there forever. And uh, that's how I thought, like musicians, like they probably hooked up their guitar to some kind of like phone recorder, and they just kept recording it over and over until they got the they, they got a mastered version of whatever it is they were wow. recording. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, that's crazy. Or between two tapes, between two tape players. Like recording back and forth, kind of like bouncing. So it was a never-ending loop, just like mine, but just a different way in a way. Yeah, or like I was telling you about the way I record, like bouncing tracks. It's pretty much like that, just bouncing it from one recorder to the other until it's finished. Yeah, it's like a never-ending loop of recording equipment and playing equipment, but there's not like a real source. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Not fascinating. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) <laughs> That's fantastic, dude. Well, during that time, weren't um? Let's see, that was uh late nineties, early aughts, right? Uh, yeah, late nineties. So because the, the Millennium album had just came out. Like, no, it was like early two thousands. So yeah, drum, so drum album? and bass was the thing. We were talking about that. Mm-hmm. And Junkie then, XL, the Prodigy, Andy Hunter. Yeah, and that was my introduction to that sound. But that was even the first album that I actually liked front and back. I know. I guess the first band I ever heard was uh, The Wailers, but mm-hmm. I never really listened to because my mom was listening to Legend. Okay. And I probably heard Concrete Jungle from Catch a Fire, but I don't really remember. Wait, so was it The Wailers without Bob Marley? 
it's with, but I like to say the Whalers because okay. it gets people thinking. Yeah, you know, because when you say I, Bob Marley, everyone knows who that is. But when you say the Whalers, some people are like what? And I'm like, yes, I want you to think of the whole band, not yeah. just him. I wish they would have just kept it that way, just the Whalers. I agree too, but people have fallouts, yeah, and, and it's the name too. His name is yeah. pretty big, and I'm pretty sure it caught a lot of ears. He is the most influential artist to me, like just ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my absolute favorite, but I cannot deny his band because Aston, the bassist, is my favorite bassist. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, from one band, those two, like, what was it? Favorite isn't lead the, singer? The, the bass that you have, isn't that the one that the Whalers play with? Close. It's a Fender, but my Jaguar has a precision pickup and it has a jazz pickup. And Family Man, Aston, he he plays a jazz and it's just a jazz, jazz pickup. So those two pickups. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I love the way he plays. I think he defines what a bassist, at least in popular music, should be because he incorporates jazz. He incorporates all of these different things. In fact, classic reggae incorporates heavy elements of jazz and blues. Oh, yeah. And so it makes it great. But I guess back to the point that, yes, my introduction to music was The Wailers for sure. But my mom never really listened to an album, like a studio album from The Wailers. It was just Legend, which everyone plays. And so... Is that the main album to listen to? Is that the best one? My opinion is that Catch a Fire is their most raw and just their best album, period. That's my favorite one by them. The only thing that I've listened from Bob Marley and the Wailers, I think it was like a best of album. And it had like, it was probably like 30 songs. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's, that's not like, legend. That's, that's like the only Bob Marley that I, I ever listened to. But I, I like, I loved all the songs that were on there. I feel like most greatest hits are boring. Oh, Yeah. It depends. It depends. So I feel like the smaller the band, the more interesting the greatest hits are because no one really listens to their other songs. Yeah. But like Mm -hmm. the bigger the band, their hits are some of the most boring songs of all time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Coldplay, (laughs) Foo Fighters, Bob Marley. Like I can't tell you how… Now Nirvana to me is one of those interesting situations because they only release three studio albums. Yeah. One like B-side album. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I hate going through a Nirvana compilation album because… You already listened to the... Now, I have the box set. I do have the box set that shows a lot of their B-sides and whatnot, but... Is that the triple CD box set? Yeah, it's with the three of them on it. It's a black yeah, yeah. and white and they're in the, the suit and tie. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, my dad had that one. Dave Grohl looks so out of place. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with his long hair. Yeah. He looks so out of place. But he looks good in this suit. Yeah, I think... What was the basis? Is the only one that looks Chris. pretty normal. Yeah, Yeah, Chris. <laughs> I like Chris. You know what's funny? I have a hard time picking because... Kurt is my favorite, but Dave really is because I like Foo Fighters a lot. So oh, yeah. Dave is kind of my favorite, but then Kurt is also one of my favorite frontmen. But dude, Chris to me, unfortunately, always seen as like a side player mm-hmm. is such a cornerstone in Nirvana. Um, he's He has my favorite personality. And I know that's not saying much because you're like, oh, well, that's... Well, there, there wouldn't be Nirvana without Chris as well. No, Chris, I'm I pretty think... pretty sure like even... Chris is my favorite personality in Nirvana. I think he's one of the nicest seeming guys. In fact, I'm just going to be honest. I think that Chris ended up... <laughs> I mean, I like Dave a lot. Dave is my favorite, like, mm. period. He's funny. Like, when you look at his interviews. He's funny. But I, I think Chris, he's criminally underrated. He's a really sweet seeming guy. And I just like his personality, period. And you listen to Nirvana, they would not sound the same without him. If they actually got a different bassist they would sound like a different band. Yeah. And people don't talk about that enough. Not just in Bloom. Yes, in Bloom. Yes, that's my favorite Nirvana track. But 
if he didn't have Chris, like he's kind of like a, he plays a little bit like Paul McCartney and he plays a little bit like some of those 60s, 70s guys, but Chris has a good sense of musicality and I just like him, you know? And he seemed like he's, he's totally different. You know, he's balding. I mean, he looks like a, <laughs> he looks like a dad. And I think that's a, the inevitable weren't they, weren't for they, every guy, right? <laughs> weren't they put in, in the Rock Hall of Fame recently? Yeah. Like a year or two ago? Yeah, but Chad Channing was left out of that, which I thought was a bunch Who? of Chad Channing, the drummer before Dave. Oh, I didn't know there was that a was drummer dumb. before That was Dave. dumb. No, Chad should have been in there. I like Chad a lot. Mm. Yeah, but it is what it is because he drummed on, um, on Bleach. Now, apparently he did do the skeleton drum tracks, like the general idea for Nevermind. And then Dave did his own versions. Mm -hmm. It was kind of insulting because they kept the cymbal or the crash in Polly mm -hmm. for Chad. That doesn't make any sense. Just, I thought it was kind of dumb. It kind of reminds me of when uh, Dave um, re-recorded Goldsmith. I think it's William Goldsmith. He re-recorded his drum tracks to Color in the Shape from 1997, which was the second Foo Fighters record. And it was a first Foo Fighters record with everyone else recording because Dave recorded like 90, 97% of the tracks on Foo Fighters self-titled in 1995. Mm -hmm. But by the second album, pretty much the whole band, it was, um, what was his name? Pat Smear from The Germs, formerly with Nirvana as well. Nate Mendel on bass, who was also from Sunny Day Real Estate. And then, uh, yeah, Taylor wasn't part of the band yet. Wait, Pat Smear was also Nirvana? Pat Smear was in Nirvana. Yeah, he was a backup guitarist. Yeah. He was like a live guitarist, but he was with Germs first. Oh, okay. So William Goldsmith and Nate Mendel were both from Sunny Day Real Estate. So Nate Mendel on the bass guitar and William Goldsmith on the drums. Mm -hmm. And then I think Franz Stahl played guitar with them, but I don't remember if he did any of the tracks on Color and the Shape, like the actual studio record. But I believe he was... Oh, I believe Franz Stahl replaced Pat Smear because Pat left. He was like, I'm out. And then Franz replaced him. But then like by the third album, they I think Franz was gone. And then it was the core of the Foo Fighters lineup that would stay, which was Taylor Hawkins on drums. It was Dave Grohl and Nate Mendel. And that was like the trio that stayed. And then Pat Smear came later after, what was his name? Chris Shiflett joined Dang. them. In 2002. I'm a, I'm a Foo That's Fighters That's cool guy. you know like these little details about them. <laughs> it will be for Foo Fighters because they're like my... You, you just like enlightened me on like Nirvana no. <laughs> history. Well, we weren't even going to talk about the post-grunge or any of the alt-rock. I was really going to get into electronic. We'll get to that. But I guess, yeah, this is my Foo Fighter and Nirvana nerdism. But yes. um, I have something like with Daft Punk, some similar. Okay, so tell me that because I'm curious. Like before Daft Punk with Daft Punk, they had a uh, group. They were called Darling. I forgot the uh, the singer from Phoenix, the band Phoenix. I like Phoenix. Yeah, he was actually wow, I haven't part listened of to Phoenix in a minute, man. I love Phoenix. Oh yeah, they're good. Wow. Okay, so so go on. So it was because uh, they're French. They're French. Yeah, they're yeah, French. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the singer from Phoenix, and then the two guys from Daft Punk. Okay, they were in a group called Darling, and then uh, once uh, I, I don't know what happened, but they ended up breaking away. The guy Manuel and Thomas Bangalter, they ended up becoming Daft Punk. And uh, the the singer from I can't remember his name, but uh, he ended up going and and making Phoenix. And uh, oh, and I I like to know I that little know detail that. about it. I, like I love that I know that little detail about it, dude. You should have kept that to yourself. Oh, there was, there you was... should have been a a, a a knowledge snob and just kept it away from me. <laughs> there was actually a concert, like I believe it was in 2011. Daft Punk, I think they had just got done doing the Tron soundtrack. Mm -hmm. 
And the Phoenix was playing at uh, Madison Square Garden. You could look this up on YouTube. There's a like tell a ten minute video of it. Tell me that you want me. Tell me. <laughs> oh, I used to. I loved that melody so much. But I liked Wolfgang. That was good. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, if I ever, feel I know better. we're gonna get into this, and now we're gonna start talking <laughs> about Tudor Cinema Club. We're gonna get into that whole subgenre, and I'm never gonna stop talking. Yeah, like that concert I was telling you about, where they played in Madison Square Garden. Phoenix was playing If I Ever Feel Better. And then like they're in the middle of the song. Everything goes black. And then I can you, just, you just see like, <laughs> I believe it was a pyramid, but it was like Daft Punk had their own little spot. And then uh, everything was black. And then the light went on. The lights went on Daft Punk. And then everyone went crazy. And they were doing their own like, like little remix of if, oh. I ever, if I Ever Feel Better. It was so sick. So was one of them a control freak, basically, that had to have things their way? Honestly, I don't want to say I don't want to say that they had that issue, but with the recent event of them putting out their retirement, yeah, like I feel like maybe okay, it it could possibly be it. Okay, that was kind of the point with the Dave thing. Now, yes, it's not just Dave. Pixies had the same issue. Like Beatles had the same issue. So many of these bands, which would be great to get into, just have these polarizing characters in them. With Dave, and I don't know if it was connecting to the Phoenix Daft Punk thing. Mm-hmm. I think Dave is. Actually, the point is that Dave is extremely talented. I'm not disputing that, but I think. Do you think that's where Nirvana was going with that? With that good question. I don't think it. I feel like it goes to say that you know because it's just it's just a what if we don't not like a hundred percent. I don't know, but Kurt supposedly, according to stories, I don't know. I don't know what the dude really meant or what he said. People are speaking for him, so I really don't know if it's accurate or not. But from what I've heard about Kurt. It sounded like he was supposedly open to probably entertaining some ideas from the rest of the band. In fact, what I find really weird is I read this one story where Kurt was really open to Dave's ideas. But then like you listen to Scentless Apprentice and I heard that Kurt initially thought it was a dumb beat. Mm -hmm. So like, I almost feel like I see this. I don't want to say multiple personality, but I almost feel like I see this push and pull personality with Kurt where maybe he's really open to something but then he's going to badmouth it. Like, it's almost like you can't win. I, you think he so was I controlling? Huh? You think he was controlling? Like in the band? I don't know that for certain but I could, I wouldn't be surprised if Kurt was. But I think he was probably a little bit more about just protecting who he was than trying to nitpick everyone. Yeah. I think that Kurt was more forgiving than other just I don't know it's all totally a guess but I think Kurt would be more open than some other dudes like compared to Morrissey yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah Morrissey yeah I recently like I don't remember too much of the details but yeah uh, a friend of mine is a, she's a really big fan of them of the Smiths and she told me like stuff I think Billy Corrigan and Morrissey uh, give Kurt a run for his money I think Kurt is probably not as bad as those guys that's just my opinion, but I don't yeah. know. But um, I like them both, honestly. I don't like everything, but but I <laughs> I kind of get it, you know? Yeah. In fact, I think it would be bad if I had the amount of gifting that they have because who knows? I probably would be a total jerk as well, not condoning it, but I could see it happening. Yeah. Like my friend, she's a really big uh, uh, Morrissey fan in Smith, and she's seen Morrissey countless times. And she tells me that… <laughs> More, uh, I see. <laughs> More I see. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my dad's I'm a, coming I'm a, I'm up. My inner dad. That. I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> like when I come, when I come across a Morrissey fan, more I see. <laughs> That's 
That's hilarious. Oh my gosh, continue. But she said uh, every time she sees him, that uh, wherever he plays, he has to have vegan food. Like if they have like if they sell hot dogs or hamburgers, he won't go on stage. Like I guess she said she was at a festival one time and they were cooking. Uh, they were cooking in the backstage like yes. some meat. And he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna go on stage uh, until they take out the meat. Which I don't. I mean that that's him. Like so he sticks you know what? to I he sticks like, to his convictions. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you have enough. If your name is that big, go ahead, take advantage of it. You know, if if you believe in those type of things, like I think veganism is great. You know, like I'm cool. not vegan, but I try to eat vegan as much as possible. Um, well, Jesus says I can eat meat, so I will. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of uh, where I am with things. Like I, I do believe like humans were meant for like hunting and foraging, but if that's something that he believes in, then, you and you it. have the power, then yeah, go for it. You know, yeah. it's not hurting nobody. No, I think that's good. I mean, I think it's the imposing that people don't like, but I agree with you. I mean, that's fine. If he wants to do that, that's great. A little bit of a note, and I find this fascinating when bands separate. Yeah. Johnny Mars band, in my opinion, works better than Morrissey. Like, if you were to hear Morrissey or Johnny Marr covering the Smiths with their respective bands, I think Johnny's done a better job, even at covering like Morrissey's isms than, I mean, because the thing is, like, yeah, like Morrissey can only do Morrissey's, but he can't really <laughs> copy what Johnny Marr does. So he has to find someone who's like decent at it. But I feel like whoever Morrissey has tried matching what Johnny does, I don't it's think like the police. it works. Like I've listened, to, like I love the police. Like pretty much almost 100, uh, 99% point, Johnny of Johnny Marr's song. band is on point. It's good? Yeah, it's really I good. I haven't checked it out. Check it out. Now go on to The Police because I love this band. In fact, that's one of your favorite bands. I want to hear oh, what yeah. you know about The Police. And we're going back <laughs> to Junkie, okay? All right. So go on. Yeah, like like I've listened to pretty much every Police song, uh, Synchronicity, uh, the album, uh, uh, all, all the albums. What's your favorite album by them? Synchronicity. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Where's Ghost in there? Oh, Ghost is a really good album. It's like Ghost, second Ghost or third favorite? Um, fourth, maybe my first. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, it's your first Ghost favorite? In, yeah, I think Ghost in the Machine. Wait, so so it's in your top two? I think that's probably my favorite one. So synchronicity would be second. Synchronicity would be second. Gotcha. Yeah. Once yeah, you mentioned it, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually tried listening to Sting, like his solo stuff. Yeah, I mean it's all right, but it's not the police. You know, it does. <sighs> it just doesn't sound the same. Like. No, you don't. You don't have that, that same sound spirit of Phil around. Collins. Not like Genesis, but just oh the, yeah, Phil Collins. I, that's I think, another good I think example. Phil Collins did that sound better than Sting did. Mm-hmm. That raspy, yeah. late mid late eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that Tarzan soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> they all sound the same. <laughs> Not like even in a, an yeah. endearing or nice way. Like kind of in a boring. I want to go to sleep because it's like generic Collins, pretty much. Generic Collins. <laughs> 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 it's you've heard Bill, one it's Bill's calling. You've heard, you've heard all Collins. <laughs> oh man, Huey Lewis is another one. Um, and then uh, Bruce Hornsby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never and, really listened. Got into like Huey Lewis and the news. Like I, I haven't really, really like dug into them. I, yeah. I just know about them from like the whole scandal with the um with the Ghostbusters theme song. Oh my gosh! See, I didn't know that. You could probably tell me a thing or two, unfortunately. Yeah, apparently the guy who 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 did the Ghostbusters theme, Ray Ray Johnson or Ray Johnson. That is that his name? Probably was. Some, some, let's just assume it was Ray Johnson. Right, let's call until him Ray Johnson. Said otherwise. <laughs> yeah, we're we're cool the, with it. The guy who did the Ghostbusters theme song, he went to this recording studio 
And I guess he was good friends with the guy that was mixing in that recording studio. Then uh, he ended up showing the, the guy who made the Ghostbusters theme. He's like, hey, look, I got I got this like really cool song. Like, you want to hear it? Like, it's from Huey Lewis and the News. And they're like, yeah, let me listen to it. And then he listened to it. And if you listen to Huey Lewis in the, that song from Huey Lewis and the News, I forgot what, what, what it was called. And then you listen to the Ghostbusters theme song. Almost like like they have that bass line, like the bass line mm. from the Ghostbuster song. That's from the track that that the mixer has showed him from Huey Lewis in the news. Wow. Let me see. What was that song called? But uh, yeah, it's like you you listen to him. You're like, okay, I could see. Um, yeah, these these minds, dude. Some of these people just are on another level when it comes to creativity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far I got into it because I know we talked about a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, I think it's I want a new drug. Okay, got it. Yeah, I want a new drug. If you listen to it, it sounds like the Ghostbusters thing. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you can kind of. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. No, I, I I have to figure out a way where I can um. I do want to get some music on here, but I'm I'm really trying they, my best. They, they just I know sued, I'm like thinking about it. No, don't they just play sued, it. They just sued the guy from from Ghostbusters. Now they're gonna sue you. Oh like, no, <laughs> I don't need that right now. Get ready, here God. I know you put me through things, but please not this. <laughs> it's like no, I'm gonna put you through it. Like ah. <laughs> no, um. So yeah, dude, about the egos and all of that, which I know that was for a huge segue, but this is what this is about. But yeah, Dave just straight up like takes Williams' drum tracks and re-records them without his, you know, without him knowing. And and uh, the whole band was like, uh, Dave calls them all up, like, yeah, we're gonna re-record the tracks. Like, why? It's like we, you know, we need to do them again. Something's not right or something like that. And Did so, he get royalties for that? Dude, so this is the thing. So remember, I was bringing him up because of Chad Channing because he had one credit on Polly, mm-hmm. and Polly is probably the even something in the way. Has more drumming than Polly. Well, with color and the shape, Doll is the opening track. Mm-hmm. You got you got Everlong. You have Monkey Ranch. You have all oh, these okay. wind up. You have all these huge drumming tracks. In fact, color and the shape and Nevermind because it's Dave Grohl. I actually think that both of those albums have Dave Grohl's best drumming on it. Mm. Yeah, because um, yeah, never, never mind. Had some of the best drummings that I've ever heard. Yeah, like Foo Fighters is a good record, and I like the drumming, but I really like, like you know, it's got it has my hero. My hero has Everlong. It has a lot of uh, Dave Grohl's best moments on the kit, and never mind's the same way. And yes, In Utero is great, and I do like I like Milk It. I like Scentless Apprentice. Is that um, the album he did the kit on the most? Like he played the drums with? You're talking about on 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 uh, Ever Everlast. Oh, Everlong? Everlong. Yeah, that's his drumming. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Everlast? What is that from? <laughs> oh, that's like the, the sports company, right? <laughs> yeah. No, dude, that's fine. We're keeping it in. You're chill, dude. I, <laughs> I spit. I see. I just tripped over myself right now. So you're good. Like I told you before, mistakes. Win some, lose some. You're fine. No. So Dave, I think some of his best drumming moments were on those two albums. But go figure, right? Like Chad Channing only gets one song and it's the least drummed on song. And the same goes for color and the shape like doll is the least drummed on track on that album it's sad it's insulting that he got credited that one song it's almost like don't credit me at all why would you credit me for the worst drum track yeah it's okay it's just something anyone could do you know it doesn't really showcase what william is capable of i feel like 
Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like it's petty, you know? It's like, dude, just cut them out completely. Don't just do that. So if anyone is wondering, you know, and they want to listen to both tracks, they can get an idea of what Doll and Polly sound like. It's like the same thing. Chad Channing and William Goldsmith. Even though Chad was actually apparently fired, and I mentioned in another podcast, I hadn't known that forever. And I, I had recently found out that Chad, he got fired. Chad, he's from uh, Nirvana? Yeah. So he got fired, but William got... Dave apparently didn't fire him, but when William found out, he's like, I don't even want to be in the band and I and I don't blame him. So he kind of... Wait, so what did... Chad play the drums mm-hmm, and did. William... Played drums to Foo Fighters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's confusing. See, I know this stuff because I, I'm a nerd yeah, for these bands. Yeah, I like that, that you when know you the little details. <laughs> no, it's fine. When you don't know, it's not your fault. Like, you could tell me tons of details of these bands. Like, I don't know Jack about Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or any of that <laughs> stuff. It's, it is... Except okay. for... Uh, I always call him Jimmy to. Page. You don't Wait, need what's to. What's his name? Justin Timberlake? <laughs> yeah, Justin Timberlake. Jimmy Page. <laughs> you know what? I never really listened to NSYNC, but Justin Timberlake has some pretty cool solo songs. Like, come on. Let's... You know, that's Mitch's sound. And he was <laughs> here episodes ago. I want him back on here. But he um, he went right out the gate with these episodes, really leading it. So Mitch, if you're out there, don't come back. Just kidding. You... Get out of here. <laughs> no, Mitch, you've done a great job. But he would entertain you on the, the Backstreet Boys and all that stuff. Like, Big fan? He's a big fan of mainstream pop. Like oh, he, okay. he knows it very well. I'm just like the rock and reggae and yeah, jazz. Like I mean, he is too. He knows his uh, R and B. He knows his reggae. Um, mm-hmm. I'm nah, pretty. I'm, I'm, I know my reggae, but he knows his Motown. Yeah, yeah. I like everything. The only thing I really we have all trouble, like everything. <laughs> the only thing I really have trouble getting into is country. That's the only like I always go back to it. Like what it's about always classic open. country? What about the country from the uh, up until? The seventies and and no oh, later, like Johnny Cash. Yeah, when I was yeah, good. Yeah, I, I like Johnny Cash. Okay. Johnny Cash is dope. So you like country? You just don't like this imposter country. Think about it. I like. I get boring with all this lubby dubby songs, like lubby dubby country. So I feel like when I think of country, it's just lubby dubby songs. But then there's Johnny Cash. Like he's like totally different from this George Strait, Hank Williams. That, I, that counts. I think I know. Dude, there would be no Eagles if it wasn't for country. Like, there wouldn't be Fleetwood Mac if it weren't for country. At least the Fleetwood Mac that they went with, because at first they were like this blues rock. But even blues rock, I mean, it's all fueled by blues. <laughs> I mean, blues really is the forefather of popular music in so many ways. But I know we can get into that debate another time. I think you showed me a country song, and I really got into it. I, it was like you were a friend. It was called Something Wind. Oh, I, don't, I probably don't know. There are many country songs I like. I used to say how much I hated it. But I consider country the same as hip-hop. I just like the classics more. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually can stand uh, modern rap but uh, and hip-hop. But I, I used to be a hip-hop hater. Really? Yeah. Like back in... Like I told you I was a metalhead. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I was all like, oh, you're like, one of those. Bro. Oh, I love it. I don't love it. But I kind of love the idea of the stereotype. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Yeah, metal Yeah, metalheads, like especially young metalheads, they're, they're little music haters. They're... Uh, they're they, metal snobs. They can be. <laughs> I think they can be entertaining. But yeah, they can be. Mm-hmm. With a country, I feel... I don't think country has evolved as well as hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I think country has probably been one of the worst. You think worst. it's going more pop now? Oh, it's like country, definitely more they, pop. They're yeah. like mixing it in with pop. Yeah. Now. No, honestly, country, Um, if you listen to it, especially the 80s and later, it almost blended with alternative a little bit. But not even all of the good alternative. Like, it's almost like... You would listen to a lot of it and they almost took the Coldplay format, which is cool. I actually like Coldplay, but I don't like the Coldplay format. There's a difference. Coldplay as a band is fantastic. 
But when people copy Coldplay, they suck. I don't care. Fight me on that one. Like <laughs> people who listen to Coldplay and they start a band just suck. It's almost like uh, you got to go to the source material. When you play the telephone game, it's not the original message anymore. Yeah. It's like a parody of a parody of a parody. It's like, no, go to Coldplay, but don't listen to people who listen to Coldplay. Like, it's just, it's not a good combination. And I've noticed a lot of the late 90s and the early aughts, like the country in that time. It, it's funny you say about that Coldplay, how like well, other people that play it really doesn't sound like the same. Because uh, no. I went to, our, uh, there's an artist called Her. I went to a Her concert like a couple months ago. And she did her stuff, her music. Uh, and then she, like, at the end, she started playing, like, these cover songs. And she ended up doing Coldplay's Clocks. That's a great song. Yeah. She sang it really well. And she was actually playing the piano and everything. It was good. Clocks is a but great... But it wasn't Coldplay. It wasn't Coldplay. That's okay. I, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Her is pretty cool. I, I need to get more into her. She's she's pretty rad. Yeah, her, she's... she's her a, is pretty rad. She's pretty multi... <laughs> she's a multi-instrumentalist. She like, has my stamp of approval. So I'm cool with her. I, ah. Honestly, before that concert, I'd never really listened to her or, or searched out her music. I went with a date. And uh, she's like, hey, you want to go to her concert? And I was like, yeah, it's cool. Let's go. And she had tickets. We, we went. Had like It was really, really fun. Like her, her music was good. I really liked the arena she played at. She played at the Hollywood Bowl. Have you ever been there? No. Dude, the acoustics, amazing. I've been to so many shows, but the acoustics at the Hollywood Bowl, we were like, we weren't all the way in the back. But we weren't like in the middle. They tend to not be that great. But if you're telling me it was that good, then that's yeah, like, kind of unique. Like it literally is like bowl shaped and the acoustics amazing. One day, if I ever become big, that's my spot where I want to play. Well, you better put me yeah. in that spot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you're going to open for me. You're going to play oh, with me. Goodness. You're going to play after me. <laughs> no, Clocks is a great example of how you do simplicity without watering down songwriting as a whole. And I think something's to be said about simplicity meeting what's necessity. Mm -hmm. I consider modern pop, sorry, well, modern pop, yes, but modern country has been watered down with more water and then more water and more water. It's almost like there's no source flavor anymore. It's just, it's weird. It's like calling a soda a soda when it's not a soda anymore. It's just watered down like syrup and it doesn't taste good. Yeah. It's terrible for you, but I'm just giving you an example <laughs> um, that the uh, the boldness is not there. What made it country in the first place they kept the mandolins. They kept. I noticed that it became a parody. Like country music stripped itself of uh, what made it country in the first place. And I'm not saying that genres shouldn't evolve. I think it's good that genres evolve. But like I said it before, and I won't stop saying this, is some genres have evolved much better than others. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Like easily. a new wave. I feel like new wave is making a comeback. New wave like has evolved punk, pretty well. Or even punk music. Punk music yeah. has come a long way too, especially with the mixing. Like if you listen to punk music back in the 80s and, and listen to punk music now, like the mixing's like punk, oh, like way better. Punk started off on the right foot. I think it evolved pretty well, but I think it's hard for people to really uh, reinvent themselves mm -hmm. with it. But I'll give punk a pass because it's been here for so long and people have done such a good job trying to reimagine it in each decade um, because, you know, kids want to rebel against their parents. And so we always have a generation that wants to rebel against the style that their parents do, but they still want to do that same style. So like with hip hop, they're trying to be as different from Ice Cube and all of that as they can. They're trying to do something. Dun, 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 dun. And I know like I heard about that whole Snoop thing where he didn't like it, but it you is know what, what it I is. I actually like Snoop line. I, I, thought it was, really? I thought it was actually good. I'll, I'll give you that. That's fine. But That's, at the same time, like, I'm not like a big reggae head. Like, 
the most like I was a big Sublime fan. Like Ooh. that's like the most. We are the opposite. Bob, Mar- Bob Marley and the Wailers and Sublime is like the most reggae I've got. Oh, actually, maybe Pepper. I got into Pepper. Slightly Correction: stupid. The Wailers is the most reggae that you've gotten. Okay. Yeah. No, trust <laughs> I'm me. That's sure. that's I'm like sure. the roots. Yeah. But Sublime. Exactly. <laughs> I don't like Sublime that much, but I have respect for them because um, what was his name? Who was the original guy? He oh, just, Bradley No. Yeah, I think Bradley. The one who uh, passed away. Yeah, I think he was the one that was in her Peter Tosh and uh, he did a Step and Razor cover. And that was pretty sick, which it really isn't technically oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by Peter Tosh, but Peter is most known for recording it. And so I think Bradley, it could be the other guy, but I think Bradley was the one that did that Peter Tosh cover. And so I have a lot of respect for that. So I'll give it that Sublime know the reggae. I just don't think I've always been big. I definitely don't like their hits, which I... Almost never like anyone's hits. Oh, yeah. Like, I've listened to Sublime's greatest hits. Like, they have way better songs. Okay, so... Way better songs off the hits. I will entertain you on that. We will get back to that. I will listen to it. And uh, you'll have to remind me. I might yeah, forget. Yeah, for sure. Because I want to check them out. I want to... So, to this day, I don't like Sublime, but based on their hits. But I'm willing to listen to their sidetracks. Yeah, listen to... Uh, I believe the the second album is called Robin in the Hood. That one's pretty cool. Why don't you send it to me? Because I have bad short term. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or sorry, my short term is so link. good because I forget so easily. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite Sublime album is probably the second one, Robin in the Hood. That one has like, it, it's reggae, but at the same time, they, they are like, it feels really electronic. They do a lot of sampling. I do hear like hints of synthesizers in there for sure. Really? Mm-hmm. Like Step and Razor, it's uh, if you listen to it, it's, it's a little electronica. Yeah, that that Sounds one that he did. Yeah, what a great circle back to what we we're talking about in the beginning. <laughs> did you actually listen to Andy Hunter? Did you like that? I listened to the whole album. Yeah, you liked this, it, huh? Yeah, it's good. Wasn't bad, huh? Uh, definitely wasn't bad. Solid. Yeah, because Junkie was such a you know, like I said, I didn't understand the artist names or that style of music, but I just liked it. It made me dance, and I. I just love the sound, but um, Andy Hunter was just kind of there to intercept. I think that my type mind. of music, it's like the punk of electronica. Yeah. Like I like that it a lot. Of like drum and bass, jungle type feel. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, dude. It That one probably makes me some of the most nostalgic or gives me some of the most nostalgic feelings of almost any style. Because reggae is still more of a time where I wasn't around. But like when I listen to Junkie or I listen to Andy Hunter, and even The Prodigy, even though I wasn't into The Prodigy, when I listened to that stuff, I remember the atmosphere during the time before the 2000s or before the year 2000, before 9-11. It just takes me back to that. And even after 9-11, reminds me of just like the early aughts culture. The latter aughts were so different. Like, it's just weird. It's like, it's almost like the 90s stopped. Mm-hmm. But I guess everyone says that about right. almost it any like decade. It just halted right away and then the 2000s just kind of started. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like we skipped a decade. Yeah, it's like we didn't feel the blend. No, we didn't feel the blend. Ah, oh, dude, speaking of aughts, like I never got that big into, um, what's her name? Avril Lavigne. But, oh, yeah, um, me neither. I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, everyone to their own tune, you know, like, I mean, she was doing something right. She has a new single out with Travis Barker. I totally forgot the I name. I haven't heard it. I listened to it a couple times. The hook is good. So the drums are great. Yeah, the drums are good. Yeah, go figure. It's pretty cool. It's definitely compressed. Oh, Travis Barker, he's definitely on another level. Like, he's a, an amazing drummer. I'm not saying he's like Stuart Copeland, but he reminds me of Stuart Copeland in many ways, how he's so involved in different projects. And oh, he's, yeah. he's part of a trio and that he's extremely respected as a drummer. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, yeah, he's that done more, cool. more more projects than the other two guys, right? Like the, the other two guys, uh, mm, not were really. They, were Angels they... and Airways still counts. Yeah, um, well, that was a guitarist that did it. Okay, Hoppus is a bassist, right? Honestly, I can't remember. I'm I just remember Travis positive. Barker, and that's it. Travis Barker. He's pretty Mark, much the biggest. Isn't Mark it kind of weird that the drummer is bigger than anyone else in the in the band? Kind of, but I almost feel like the other ones are pretty big. You know, it's funny. I can't remember the other guy, I, I, and I hate it because I like Blink. I really do. I'm not. They're not my favorite band, but like, okay, we'll look it up. Anthony, pull that up. Let's see. <laughs> this what? Uh, wait, wait! Don't don't say it! 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 Okay, there's Mark Hoppus. Mark, it's like some other. Don't say it. Don't say it. Tom. Tom DeLong. Got it. I totally got it. Before you looked it up, it's Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus, and Travis Barker. And Tom DeLong yeah. is the guitarist. <laughs> is that not correct? Uh, Tom DeLong is the guitarist. Boom. Yes. Yeah. Because Mark, I always remember because he plays the bass. Yeah. So, yes, Travis is bigger, but I think Tom DeLong started Angels and Airwaves. I'm so positive about that. And I think Tom is the alien guy. Man, this is entertaining just to do this right now. I'm so sorry, but really not sorry. <laughs> I think... Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. So Angels and Airwaves got pretty... Uh, it got some noticeable attention. I think mostly from people who actually liked Tom directly and Blink. But Travis right now would probably be considered the most relevant at the moment. If we were going to yeah. go based on media, which is superficial. Like, and it, shallow, it but feels, it feels like yes. he hasn't stopped. Yeah, he hasn't stopped. No, or, or it's 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 perceivable that he hasn't stopped. Mark, I think, either he still has cancer or he just came off of it. Oh, I didn't know that. So I hope he's off of it. I will need to pray for him because I hadn't thought about that in a while. But oh, I, when when did uh when was he diagnosed? I heard about it this year, last year. I'm oh, that's terrible. so positive. I heard about I him he's having doing cancer. Okay. I hope he's doing all right as well. God bless him. Um, Tom. I believe is the alien guy. I haven't heard much from him, but Travis is definitely the most relevant at the moment. But yeah, you know, that whole uh, Avril Lavigne, the the Liz Fair sound. Did you ever listen to Liz Fair? Liz Fair? No, I, I, I don't, I've never heard of her. Well, she's from the Courtney Love whole days. Um, not necessarily Sonic Youth, but definitely the early 90s with Hole. Um, different sound though. I listened to her... I listened to the music during the the whole and Slater Kinney days, and they're kind of it kind of does its own thing. But I feel like Liz caught up to that whole. I mean, she did do the grunge sound a little bit, but not so much. It felt a little bit more. What band was she in? Liz was a oh self titled. Liz what? Liz Fair. P H A I R. I wasn't that big on her '90s stuff. Apparently, her old stuff, like her '90s stuff, is critically acclaimed, and I don't hear it. Mm -hmm. But um, I was listening a lot to Extraordinary. Which it's a good really track. Average everyday sane psycho. Yeah, that okay, was okay. Sounds sounds a little familiar. It's super. I think if I listen to it, I'd be like, oh, okay, I know, I know that song. I swear, I hear two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four when I hear a hook like that. <laughs> like it just sounds like that time, the Avril Lavigne time, like that that song from Olivia Rodrigo. Oh yeah. You know, I hear a lot of Olivia and Liz Fair similarities as well. That's actually kind of yeah, cool. Maybe she got a lot of inspiration from like early 2000s. I'm sure like Avril Lavigne and… She did. Oh, uh, Haley Williams. Mm. Yeah, we could talk about her. 
I always talk about Lacey Sturm from Flyleaf, but no one talks about her. Oh, she's good. She's oh a really gosh. good singer. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had an ex. She was really, really into Flyleaf. And uh, uh, I still listen to her. Like, I think this year I was really blowing up their uh, first album. Really good. Wow. How about Sixpence None the Richer? Did you like them? Remember that? Is that a band? It's every day I'm in this place. I feel the same. I feel the same. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I think I totally <laughs> butchered the lyrics, but um, <laughs> I'm not a singer. I am a, I'm an arranger. And when I sing, it's all about emphasizing the melody, but I don't care about perfection when I sing. Dude, I, I suck at singing. Like I have so much instrumental music and I want to put singing in it, but it just doesn't come natural to me. Like, how do you, how do you do it? Like, do you just, like, do you hem it or whistle it? Like, I figure, like, that's how singers would would put in lyrics into the songs. You mean what's my general process when I write a song? Yeah, how do you how do you put lyrics into a song? How do you sing in it? Well, I guess just it? songwriting method, almost always I have the chorus in my head. Actually, most times my chorus comes first. Oh, nice. And it's hard for me to say whether melodies or the chord progression comes first. But honestly, typically the chorus and the melody are right there at the same time in my head. And what usually happens is I hum it or whatever. I don't have lyrics yet. Mm -hmm. now, sometimes I do have lyrics, you know, and, you know, it's like it's just like what Paul McCartney says. You have filler lyrics and then you you replace the filler lyrics with the, the real lyrics, I guess you want to call them. And so I'll at least have like a filler lyric. But I'll definitely have a melody and I'll have a chord progression. And then I just kind of record that. Mm -hmm. And I listen to it over and over until I get like a verse. Yeah, like with my music, I'm trying to make it sound kind of like LCD sound system type vibes. Solid. And I, and I really try to like imitate the singer from there. But it just it just doesn't come. It, it, it gets a little tricky for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Everyone's different, you know? I mean, yeah. that's a cool thing about art. I think it's just period. Not every artist has to do it the same way. Just finding the groove. That maybe that's one of the things. That's part you of it. You just got to find that groove. And then once you find it, the next song will be easier to figure out the lyrics. Well, lyrics are much harder for me than uh, melody. Like the music is so easy for me. Like it just, and I know that sounds like kind of arrogant, which whatever. Uh, Everybody is different. No, I, I'm saying that because music, the music part is so easy for me. But honestly, dude, like the lyrics are hard because. I'm very picky with the music, but I'm also picky with the lyrics to the point that it's hard. I feel like you... Because I try not to repeat words. And sometimes I'll repeat the N-word for rhyming, but I really try not to do that. Because I'll notice what people will supposedly rhyme with the same word. You can call it rhyming if you want, but I hear it done so much in music that I'm like, ah, I'm trying to not do that. But then it makes it harder. It makes me have to think about each word that I use. Yeah, I think after like the fourth word... And I want to make the word? song have meaning. I don't want to just... I don't like to just throw down words. Yeah, like after like the fourth word that you rhyme with, then change it up, you know, change up to a, a different different rhyme or different hmm. style of singing, you know, for for that one song. Do you mostly mess around with instrumental rather than like Oh yeah, it's 100% instrumental. That's how I started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cuz see in that those are our roots. Yours and my roots, I believe is mostly instrumental music. Even though yes, I know we listen to Police the Wailers. We listened to a lot of bands who had conventional songs, right? That weren't doing instrumentals, like as a main thing. But um, I think it's it's a lot easier with the band because you're with a group of friends 
And you can just yeah. bounce ideas from one another. Yeah, it's easy because you don't have to focus on everything. Like the person can work on the drums. This guy can focus on this other instrument. But I guess with us, because we kind of are one man, one man band, <laughs> one man bands. Um, I feel like instrumental is just so much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. But I definitely enjoyed, not that you don't, but I definitely for sure uh, have gotten into songwriting and it's addicting. Like I really enjoy songs. I enjoy both. I like instrumentals for the sake of instrumentals. Yeah. But then I like songs. And then there are certain styles of music like uh, like jazz. I hate. I hate hearing vocals in jazz. <laughs> I hate it. I can't stand. I just can't stand it. Is it too crazy? It's just. It sounds or too, it, it too sounds, chaotic. It sounds too chaotic and it just doesn't work for me. I mean, unless someone's scared like. Like it's kind of fun to hear people scat, but like I don't like hearing, I don't like hearing jazz turn into a pop format. Yes, there is still a pop format to jazz, and fight me, but it's true. Like uh, there's like the three and a half, four and a half. Like take the A train. There are so many songs by jazz artists that even though they're instrumental, it's still a pop format. But when I say pop format, I mean straight up vocals on it. I don't like it. In fact, I don't like opera. I don't like hearing vocals in my jazz or my classical. I like keeping them instrumental. Jazz and classical is my place where I can relax and get away from the human voice. What about like minimal? Unless you're harmonizing. That's different. But I don't like hearing lyrics, typically. It, and there are some exceptions. But I would even say that there are more exceptions with jazz and classical. Like classical, I don't want to hear any words. Mm-hmm. So... What about like minimal jazz? Like, do you listen to lo-fi music? I do like lo-fi, yeah. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy <laughs> I like. I have an NPC, so I guess… <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to, right? <laughs> Just add some uh, hip-hop drums and uh, a <laughs> little bit of jazz beats, little samples, and good to go. I do I like love lo-fi. It, I love it. Especially for like studying or like reading books. Like, it, it's amazing. Like, it just keeps me on track. I feel like it, keep, it keeps you calm, you know? Yeah, or at it least does. for me, it keeps me like calm, level headed, especially when I'm working out. Like, and I put on some lo fi, I feel like I'm really like focusing mm. like on, on the workout really well. Even though there are some exceptions with, like I said, with jazz and even electronic music, I don't mind some electronic songs. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But kind of what you're saying, there's something to be said about an instrumental and just keeping it like that. And I'm kind of just this kind of guy that doesn't like my foods to mix. I like pizza, I like yogurt, but I don't really want them together. I don't know. That could sound I mean, unless it's like yogurt, okay, uh, yogurt well, on pizza. If it's, it's like be a the cheese, new pineapple. <laughs> if it's like goat cheese and it's put on pizza, but I guess it's similar to yogurt. But okay, <laughs> let's think of something else, right? That just doesn't mix together. Yeah, I get you. Like I like fish, but I don't want fish on a pizza, right? And so yeah. I like. Oh yeah, definitely. Like sardines, like that should be banned. Oh right. Like I don't understand how people eat sardines and on on pizza. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> so I think with music, I don't like my lo-fi to have all these vocals, unless it's a texture. A texture is fine, but I don't like turning it into like a straight up song. Yeah. Unless, unless true. it's That's hip-hop. True. Unless yeah. it's rapping. Rapping over lo-fi is fine because basically lo-fi is boom bap. Yeah, you even like me with that. Like, now that I think about it, I feel like lo-fi is perfect in an instrumental. You know, without lyrics, like it just yeah. sounds like really smooth. That's unless what- there's like minimal lyrics, maybe in the beginning… But that's like, like a, a texture. Like a slight, that's like a texture. Yeah, though. like a texture. Like I said. Right. But like turning it… Why does… Everything doesn't need to be turned into a song. And and I wish people… I feel like the irony of that is that I have recorded… Like, you know, I've done my EP. I'm doing another one. But I, I feel the force. <laughs> the force. I feel the pressure 
to turn it into a song, but maybe it should just be an instrumental. I actually grew up with instrumentals. And so I feel like um, my last EP that I showed you, 2020, the title track would have just been fine without lyrics. And I feel like I forced it in. Now, I liked it lyrically. It's one of my favorite tracks lyrically, but I almost feel it was such an electronic song. It should have stayed like that, just instrumental and only use vocals as a texture. And so I have another one coming up. I really up. enjoyed the lyrics on that EP. I like the lyrics on that and I appreciate the compliment, but I think that I am committing my own sin here is that if it's an instrumental, you should just keep it like that. And I sometimes just try to, I force a song into it. It's funny because I, I actually might continue to force this one I'm talking about, this new one that I haven't put out into a song, but I also might just keep it an instrumental. So maybe I'll just make two versions, you know? Yeah, do like the, maybe the original or do the EP version and then do the 12 inch album version like on the actual album dude we need to collaborate i'm down yeah Let's do it. well you're taking your synth home today yeah i'm gonna check her out out of all the synths i have she's the one that i really like know the most like whatever sound i want i'll make it with her but with like the ob6 or the, the profit I, I haven't really messed with it it's more of a sampler digital synthesizer but i feel you but this one is like really natural like i, I know what i want to like i'll hear something in my head i'll put it in the mini log Oh, it's so cool. Only because it's my first one and I've had it the longest. It's like I said before on, on the previous podcast, how um, once you put enough time in the gear, the gear just becomes natural. You know the ins and outs of it. Pretty simple. So you you pick, you hear in your head what you want. You put in the synth, what sound you wanted to come out. Oh, that's so cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to talk about that more another time. I yeah, think uh, we, we sure. put a good hour into this one now or less. I don't know when we're going to have you next time. We'll have you either next week or we'll have another one of our hosts come on. So we'll figure that one out. We really don't know. Uh, We will be putting out episodes. That is what we can promise you. As long as I'm alive and someone else (laughs) is alive to be able to put out these episodes, you will get an episode every week. As long as we survive the pandemic. Exactly. Or maybe I'll surprise you. Maybe one day it's a 5, 10 minute, 15 minute solo rant. Like, I might do that, but we will try our best to put something out each week. Or so, maybe a video podcast coming soon. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, we started <laughs> doing that. But uh, yeah, I was the one that accidentally deleted all the footage. So that was my fault. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I accidentally deleted all of those videos. So it is what it is. I get a little nervous, like, filming on video. But you know what? I think, like, I, ha- I had an idea. What if we, we use, like, costumes? Like, Halloween costumes for the podcast? <laughs> I know it sounds a little silly. But uh, just make it fun, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sure, Coming why not? As a as an astronauts and uh, I don't know cowboys. <laughs> but the the premise Buzz of that and Woody. <laughs> the premise of that lengthy outro was the fact I don't know where I'm going to have you again, but hopefully soon. 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 Yeah, it'll be soon. This was fun, and we'll talk to you another time. Yeah, you guys have a good holiday. Keep it funky, fresh. See you on the next one. Yeah, just just know we'll have something interesting next week. So whatever it is. Even if it's boring to you, it's going to be interesting (laughs) to someone else, right? At least one guy out of you guys. So, you know, you guys have a great day. Peace. Peace. Peace.